0: 1969 was a busy year for everyone. Americans are getting groovy on consciousness-raising drugs and Eastern philosophy, Led Zeppelin released their first record, and just a few days later, Soviet cosmonauts perform the first-ever spacewalk transfer of personnel from one spacecraft to another and then return to Earth. Not to be outdone, a few days later, the Beatles give their last public performance from the rooftop of Apple Studios. The United States decides that they had better come up with something, so a few months later, they launch Apollo 11 and land the first men on the moon. Hot on the heels of the moon landing, with design and location help from NASA and their contractors, Columbia Pictures releases a film that sets out to be as realistic to the Apollo-type missions already beaming into American living rooms as possible, while giving a glimpse of what is right around the corner in the upcoming years. This lengthy, technical space drama was well-received and even won an Oscar for special effects before drifting out into space itself and becoming an all-but-forgotten blip in a tumultuous time, even if it did star Gregory Peck and a young Gene Hackman. On this week's 6k Pod, we review 1969's John Sturgis-directed Marooned. Danger.
1: The emergency disrupt system is now activated. The ship will detonate in T-minus we'll 10 seconds. 9, Nine. 8, Six. 7, 6, Six. 5, 4, 3,
0: 2, 1. Get, out! Get out of
2: Got substituted. Like we ordered something for grocery delivery, oh. and it got substituted. and I was really upset. I didn't want Tecate Light, but then I started drinking it. It's like a great, like 11 a.m. to to <laughs> to 3 p.m. beer.
0: All right, fair. I'll I'll go with that, especially in Tucson in July.
2: Yeah. Yeah. No. It's like, yeah.
0: It's a Michelada
2: beer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, when the dog with a barrel around its neck rescues you that's what's in it in the sonoran desert yeah
0: yeah the coyote with the barrel around its neck
2: (laughs) welcome to the escape pod we're happy to have you here with us we are we're so lonely (laughs) we are ryan
0: and nathan but which one is which Nathan, it's good to be back here with you, even though we've never left the escape pod. We took our pills, so we slept for about 10 or 12 hours.
2: Our our escape pod has stasis pods.
0: Oh man, love those stasis pods. I was thinking about the pills they had to take in this movie.
2: Oh, that's right. And what movie is this?
0: Today, we are discussing 1969's Marooned. This was a film you added to the list. That's right. I had never seen it. Me either. I didn't know it existed.
2: Nope, I didn't either.
0: As soon as you said Gregory Peck and Gene Hackman, I was sold.
2: Yeah, that's a, that's what did it for me too. It was on some lists of both must see and must not see science fiction movies. <laughs> oh yeah, and also the other name was uh, John Sturges, the director, right? Who did the, like The Great Escape, The Magnificent Seven? Oh wow. I recognize the name, but
0: I didn't bother to do any research. You were hogging all the monitor time in the escape pod. That's right. With whatever you were doing over there. I don't know. At our downtime, we try to stay on the opposite sides of our uh, 15 by 15 escape
2: pod. But one of us is on the internet. They need some privacy.
0: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. I, I just turned to the
2: corner. And so I was looking up John Sturgis facts. You know, each to his own, man. So you want to get into the movie? I want to talk about how I watched it, first of all. So I watched the first half in uh, the downstairs sort of TV movie room. Oh, your personal theater. Yeah, it was 111, 112 degrees
0: outside. So the viewers should know that we are in Tucson, Arizona. We're, we're in, in a escape pod. Oh, yeah. Don't. That is really hot because we're passing by a red giant.
2: You know, you, you got to allow the suspension of disbelief to exist.
0: Of course, that's what this is all about. So you're in the downstairs of the escape pod. So
2: anyway, uh, it was hot, and I fell asleep after about an hour into the film. It's two two hours.
0: <laughs> um, well, I remember you texted me, and I was like, "Oh, okay, it's one of these movies."
2: Yeah, I wasn't actually not enjoying it. I was enjoying it, but it was just it was brutally hot, and the movie is a little slow. And then uh, the next day, I remembered. I only had like two hours before we were going to talk about the movie. And I had an hour of movie to watch. And I was Uh in the pool with Augusta, my daughter. And so I sat just in the pool and pulled it up on my telephone and uh... and watched uh, half an hour of it. Wow. And then she wanted out of the pool. So then I went to my deck where I have my outdoor TV, which is just an old crap TV that's out there, and proceeded to watch the very rest of it while uh, the sun set and the monsoons were happening in the background. Did you get a lot of rain? Uh, Well, no, but I mean, wherever I, the monsoons that I was watching were putting rain. That's exciting. Somewhere. That's exciting. Yeah. No, it's been dynamic recently. And I think my attitude of the movie really changed based on how I was watching it.
0: Well, you sent me a picture, I recall, of your television on your back deck and I could kind of see it was Twilight and the, there was a scene of the the XRV on the screen. Yeah, That looked like quite nice watching.
2: Yeah, so if you'd asked me what I thought of this, you know, after the first half, it's it's very different than after the second half. I don't know if that's because the movie actually changed from the first half to the second half, or yeah. just because I was in the pool and watching the sunset. Yeah, so well, I guess we should talk about the movie. Context and perspective. Okay, here we go. Marooned.
1: Pew. Okay, let's check status with the terminal account. Booster? Go fight. Retro? Retro? We are go. Vital? Go. GNC? Go flight. Econ? Affirmative flight. Go, all the way.
0: I want to say one thing about the opening credits. I really enjoyed the opening credits. You know, the animation is in period for the the surface of the Earth that we're watching. We get these big character and actor credits. And the first one, of course, is Gregory Peck as Charles Keith, chief of manned space. <laughs> yeah what a title for gregory peck to have i mean yeah absolutely yeah. i believe it 100 percent this guy is definitely the chief of manned space yeah nobody's gonna doubt he that. can man my space mm-hmm. anytime that's all i really wanted to say about that except I, I also immediately noticed that this was going to be one of these films of the era that has a very cool spartan early electronic music soundtrack It was all early synth sounds and you of course i mean not of course but when we were talking about this a little bit pre-show you're like oh i didn't i don't really remember yeah because it was so subtle it left zero impression on me (laughs) yeah you didn't get it but i noticed it right away because i really i really dig shit like that and i looked and i looked and i couldn't find who did it
2: i think i think and i do dig things like that too i think you do i just completely ignored
0: it well it was very again very subtle and it goes on through the whole thing.
2: The comment that I have about the opening credits is that, and I could have rewound this to double check, but I didn't. Uh,
0: Were you watching it on VHS?
2: Yeah, you know, cool. The tapes. You're so hip. Did they thank in the credits Ford Motor Company for building Mission Control? Did you notice that? I didn't notice, but I wouldn't be surprised if they did. But there was something about them thanking Ford for building something, and I I thought it was mission control. but
0: Probably. I mean, that's where they shot everything. They thanked NASA for allowing them to shoot in mission control and on the pad and everything.
2: This film was done in 1969, and it's about launching three astronauts to a space station so that they can live there for seven months and it's an experiment to see how they cope with living in space for seven months
0: right and they talk about this is the we'll see if they can do this because this is going to give us our data for like going to mars basically they're really they're really thinking big
2: yeah so this is an interesting type of science fiction because it's taking place in the time that the film was made and it's it's not a stretch. The technology didn't exist for them to have that space station. Like that didn't actually exist. But they're only like five years away from that. That's so cool. It's 1969.
0: They're shooting in Cape Canaveral, and this is the year of the moonshot. Yeah, that's remarkable.
2: Yeah, it's weird. It's the opening of the movie is this documentary-style launch procedure, and it's hard. It's hard to know when you watch this movie if what's archival footage, what's actually shot for the film footage, because they're using the same technology for both like
0: <laughs> right the film stock
2: yeah like in the 80s if you if you like make like a war movie and then all of a sudden there's for your like aircraft battle you use archival footage sticks out yeah because like the machines making and editing and the film print everything's different you
0: mean in, in 1985 when you're shooting your world war ii epic on video
2: uh my stop motion claymation with <laughs> <laughs> with, do- with dog fights <laughs> archival and
0: dog then fights. you then you cut in some 16 millimeter yeah grainy
2: and it was always a problem these people did not they did not have that problem
0: i feel like i could tell but in a good way when they were showing shots of the press setting up on ground and all the different people with their different gear because
2: the scale was small
0: scale one thing i'm thinking more they had they had some very cinematic where you could tell it was 35 millimeter at least film that was very beautiful and clear of the sun setting behind the rocket gantry, and they're kind of panning around That's right. yeah. that zone. And and so you got you got scale, which is awesome. And then when they showed the the fire and the actual rockets, you could, you could tell a slight difference in the quality, but it it worked together yeah. perfectly. And it's it's all the iconic footage that we've all seen a million times. Yeah through the launch and but it 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 wasn't like you like you're referencing it wasn't jolting at all
2: so what was the first thing that was jolting did you write it down
0: uh well after i wrote down um chief of manned space
2: <laughs> that's not jolting
0: i liked how right next to uh or not right next to but i don't know 500 yards from the rocket gantry was uh, a giant spherical liquid hydrogen tank that said no smoking, <laughs> <laughs> which I just love. And because one, I mean, it's kind of a no brainer. I mean, I guess, but also it's the 60s. And as we see later, you know, everyone in the control room is just 60s smoking
1: constantly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And I love to see that. As a former smoker, I was always attracted to the so-called coolness or romanticism romanticized smoking sure and this is one of the eras for romanticized smoking
2: you can really drive home a point when you just snuff out your cigarette at an ashtray you know right at your console oh and yeah and your
0: you're blowing smoke out of the corner of your mouth while you're screaming into your microphone
2: yeah yeah i mean <laughs> it's, this is all made for that you could not have gotten to the moon without lots of smoking
1: we have seco roger seco
0: So that's that's actually it, right? We get right to the launch. They don't really mess around. They want to get us right to where the action's going to be. We got Gregory Peck. He's not really saying much yet. He's kind of hovering around the control room. You can tell he's like a, a big cheese, but he's everyone's doing the work, and he's just kind of observing everything. Um, the first thing
2: I, I noticed. The fr- oh,
0: your question was the first thing. With the jolted after.
2: Well, just yeah, like when like there was a moment when I was like, oh, this is not a documentary for sure. Uh huh. <laughs>
0: For me, it was when they have launched, and we're getting cut-in footage of like an Apollo rocket mission going off, um, and we'll cut to the cockpit of the capsule, and there is no indication at all that they're experiencing G's or oh
2: yeah yeah that's true
0: vibration of any sort. They're just it's a complete still shot of them just like okay we're going up into space totally still. Right, and, and this is 1969. I mean, there is a lot of other sci-fi going on. You know, you even have Star Trek that's extreme. Run this way, run this way, and we'll shake the camera. We'll tilt it because the ship is experiencing turbulence, space turbulence. Um, so none of that. They just, they get up there and uh, they go and link with the space station. So they get to the station. They kind of do some quick scenes to establish what its life is like. But very briefly. Yeah, well, we we get some weightlessness. Yeah, we get some more wire stunt weightless stuff.
2: I thought this was better than Black Hole. Really? Okay. Yeah, which was 10 years later. Not as good as 2011, which was, I guess, about the same time, right? I mean, not 2011, 2001. 2001 looks really good all the time. 1968. So, yeah, 2001 was... A year earlier. a A year earlier. Wow. Because... Kubrick had to be actually doing the Apollo landing, so he couldn't. Well, oh, <laughs> you know, he had to do two thousand one the year before. Oh, right, right. Or it wasn't going to happen. You're talking about the uh,
0: the the moon landing that they shot in LA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, of course, naturally, everyone knows that. Yeah, we get like one of the guys is on a um, exercise bike, and um, Gene Hackman's kind of floating around does a little cute trick where he like stops himself with his finger. Yeah, On a monitor while he's fixing something. So it's it's a three man crew.
1: Astronauts Jim Pruitt, Buzz Lloyd, and Clayton Stone.
0: We have like an older astronaut, you can tell he's he's the uh he's the veteran astronaut. You've got uh, a science guy that's Stony Stone yeah. and uh the older veteran is Pruitt, I believe. And Gene Hackman plays Buzz Lloyd or Floyd? Lloyd. Yes. No Lloyd. And he's like the young hotshot pilot. So they, it turns out that about after five months in space, Ground Control is kind of noticing that they're off their game.
2: Yeah, this is like nine hours into the movie. <laughs> <laughs> we're waiting for something to happen. We don't know where this movie is going. No, no idea. All of a sudden, we're in a room with Gregory Peck on Earth, and they're showing footage of these guys. And they're basically like, "Uh, it's not working. They're kind of like dropping things. Yeah, they're they're not doing they're not doing their jobs well and they got to come home.
1: Tired Tiredness making mistakes.
2: He makes the call. Gregory Peck makes the call. Yeah, I love it. The man himself. Yeah, he just decides I'm the man of
0: space. I love there's a quick little scene of Gene Hackman like, "Oh, I fixed the razor." Like he, he, everything's breaking. He's <laughs> yeah. also like the fix-it man.
2: Yeah, he's like tired and I t- I could totally relate to that. Oh yeah, he's delirious. Everyone's delirious. Yeah, I don't care about this job anymore. I'm up here in space. Fix, fix the razor. I can shave now, but I, ha- I still haven't, obviously.
1: I've uh, I fixed the uh, razor, so uh, we can go back to shaving again now. Bring them down. Yes, sir.
2: Nick Gregory Peck says no more. Yeah, we need we need Gregory
0: Peck to tell us what to do. That's actually exactly what we need right now. Yeah. Everyone would be like, all right. They get back in the capsule and it's time for the re-entry burn. They do a cool thing. They this is when they which I think very effectively and throughout the rest of the movie, I felt they start ratcheting the tension. I think this movie is all about trying to get you to feel that tension.
1: Iron Man One, Iron Man One, this is Houston, Capcom, do
0: you read down in control, they're they're radioing them and they're not getting a response at first. that's the first thing. And they're asking about their their burn, because they're supposed to hit their boosters to uh, set their course. Yeah. And then they finally get back a response that says the burn didn't happen.
1: We have negative retrofire.
0: That's when it all starts going wrong. And the light is on, which I love, that says it did go. What light? They have a green light on their console that says it burned.
1: All right, man, this is Keith. Do you get any indications from your event lights? Boss, we got a little light here that says we have retrofired. It's green. We're going to decorate it for Christmas.
2: So something up. It's painfully like hyper-realistic at times. Yeah. And I, I, think I, I think I like that.
0: I like that everyone has to play it cool. At this point, they're professionals.
1: All right, Iron Man, we're going to work on it.
0: Yeah, no, there's no panic. The captain, basically, uh, Pruitt, the veteran, is immediately like, I want to go outside and look at this. Maybe I can fix this engine. And ground control is like, nah just hang tight we'll try to fix it from down here uh don't worry about it and we'll uh we're going to try a different approach and we'll find a new target and they're going to do like a manual you know whatever their backup is and they try that and that doesn't work either and there's like a silence and that felt like spooky to me like then i felt like the danger was coming in like the reality was kind of setting in a little more of three guys in a tin can
2: yeah so I noticed when they do the countdown that there's like multiple guys doing this, like synchronized Ten, countdown. Nine, mm-hmm.
1: eight,
2: Th- that's, seven, it sounded very weird. Six, really? Five, yeah. They're like four, five, four, three, two, and then they all say one, retro fire at the same time. There's like five different voices saying it <laughs> together. I think it's
0: that thing uh, that we see a lot during this movie of all these different departments Especially then, I'm sure, that it took to make this one thing happen. And the redundancies
2: and... It sounded really weird, though. It sounded like a chorus. Oh, sure. I like that. Is that a Greek chorus? Yeah, exactly. I don't know what movie it's from, but there's this clip of of a bunch of press people like running into a telephone booth and the whole booth falls over. Isn't that from Airplane? Yeah, right. From Airplane. So this, this movie then has not something quite as iconic, but... After the second retrofire fails, mm-hmm. we all of a sudden are looking at a press room. <laughs> Everybody picks up the phone at the same time. And then There's the one person in, who's on the phone in front of us that is taking, you know, the, the so the the forward most person, and they're they're calling to say like that it didn't happen, and all of the other press people are just holding their phones to their ears and staring at this other person who's doing the talking. There was a press meeting
0: that Gregory Peck goes to. Good
1: morning, ladies and gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Sorry that I've kept you waiting.
0: One reporter is like,
1: Do you have a statement, Mr. Keith? says, no, but. No, but I would like to say that approximately 15,000 people are trying to isolate and correct this malfunction. And
0: then he proceeds to make like four minutes of...
1: Every resource of the NASA and our industrial contractors is being used to the fullest. Yada, 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 yada.
0: About this point in the movie, when they go back into Mission Control, I started getting airplane vibes, and I realized this must be one of the movies that they were parodying. Right. The busyness in the you know in the control room. <laughs> yeah, and exactly. Everybody smoking, and everybody coming down and phones, and get me so-and-so. And, and uh, I was laughing, actually, a little bit at some parts, even though it wasn't in any way meant to be funny. One of the reporters, when when Gregory Peck was giving his not-a-statement, they asked, how long is decay? And he said, seven years. Yeah. The capsule will be, if they just die up there, the capsule will take seven years to lose orbit. Burn and, up. And burn up in the atmosphere. And I just thought that was a remarkable number.
2: Yeah. I guess I just, you know, you you would know better than me. I don't know. Actually, I, I listen to this podcast called uh, like The History of Rocketry. Uh-huh. Of course you do. And... It's this guy who has gone like ad nauseum through the history of rockets, and so every single rocket launch, hmm. like I, I don't know, I mean, I haven't even gotten to Apollo yet. Like <laughs> I'm still like I went, we went through sort of the German World War II era, and then the beginning of USA and Russian rocketry, and cool Sputnik and all of that. And so I mean, those early those early rocket launches, like those things, burned up in days. But if you have, you know, you get something up into a real real orbit, yeah, I mean, seven years is nothing. What's that pod call? Our, our listeners might want to know. Free plug. Yeah, here it is Space Rocket
0: History Archive. They should hire us to figure out a better title for that.
1: <laughs> Iron Man, this is Houston. Iron Man, this is Houston. Do you read? Go, Houston. There's also
0: a moment right now where they show the wives. Well, yeah, that's a good one. And the astronauts. <laughs> one of them. This is very much of the times. They're talking to one another about, oh boy, they're concerned now. And the one says,
1: Teresa, Celia and I have been in this business 10 years. We learned that the best thing is for us girls to keep our feelings to ourselves and let the men get on with their jobs. Yep. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch.
2: Yeah. So the third wife left to right, uh, I think she she was... Marietta Hartley. Yeah, right from M.A.S.H. Um... I'm talking, so lloyd's wife yeah yeah the youngest yeah so so i was trying to figure out where i knew her from was she in Ma- the movie mash no she was in an episode <laughs> i mean i don't think she's well known for this but it definitely stuck with me that she's in an episode where she's a she's a guest star and she's a nurse or a doctor and hawkeye falls in love with her she's real alpha and so it sort of exposes his chauvinism to a certain degree <laughs> surprise surprise and yeah, but she's great. She's so charismatic in that episode. That's cool. And I also
0: recognized her right away. Similar circumstances, but kind of different. She was a guest star on Star Trek the same year in the episode of called All of Tomorrow's. Yeah. Yesterday's. Cool. All Yesterday's Tomorrows. It's one of these time travel ones where Spock ends up in a past. Oh, on yeah. this planet in an ice age. And uh, he ends up like shacking up right. with her. Wow, and they're living together, and they and he falls in love with
2: her. That's a be- that's an even better connection. Yeah, she's a, had a very cool and varied career. I do not wish to part from you. Yeah, she. Yeah, I looked at her IMDb list, and she's been in a ton of things. She still worked
0: a ton of stuff, and she was also um, um, very involved in getting the like suicide prevention hotline set up. Very cool lady.
2: Yeah, especially considering how crappy she was to Lloyd.
0: Yeah, we'll get there, right?
1: Okay. Jim, why are we just lying here waiting? Huh?
0: So back in the capsule, I wanted to note that they're starting to fidget.
1: I'm gonna go EVA? We'll check the engine ourselves.
0: They've been up there for a while, and Gene Hackman...
1: Maybe we took a meteor strike. Maybe something hung up
2: on separation.
0: He's got like a bag of food, and he's like crumpling it and squishing it and moving it all around. Yeah, that was odd. Well, there—that's like his first sign that he's kind of the weak link in as far as his, losing his cool. Yeah, and, and the captain guy's like, "Eat, eat your chicken, Buzz," and he just has this like catheter full of yellow fluid. He's just like crumpling up in his hands.
2: I thought that was a really good display of. Yeah, it made me nervous. Like you don't want that to get to get loose. No, be flying around the capsule. Yeah, nobody wants your. Chicken sauce going, you know, inhaling it up somebody's nose. Fucking eyes.
1: Mm -hmm. Just relax. Get your chicken while it's hot.
0: All the brass down at Mission Control are having a big meeting. Big, big table, big, big meeting. And one of
2: the guys proposes a rescue. So the the burn-up time was five months or whatever, but they have 42 hours of air. That's the most important number. Also, the other thing they're doing is they they don't know why the retro... Rockets didn't fire, but they have another astronaut in a simulator. They're trying to actually make the simulator have this problem because they don't know what caused it. So they're trying to figure out what could cause this problem so that they can fix it. The astronaut is the one who proposes the rescue mission.
0: Yeah, he's one of the uh, guys in the control room that helps run the show. And he's like,
1: I want to talk about a rescue mission.
0: And Gregory Peck is like, how are you going to do this?
1: Dougherty, you haven't been listening. Yeah. He's an astronaut
2: though, right?
0: Yeah. And he's buddies with these guys for sure. They're on the same.
2: Yeah. He's like, send me up there. I'll, I'll do
0: it. I'll go do it. They're Like, how are you going to do it with what? And they're like, Oh, we have an, we have an XRV that can be outfitted for four people. And it's a great Gregory Peck scene. Cause he, right. he, he, never really, he barely ever loses his cool in this whole movie until he gets really excited at the end. And, and I just really enjoy his presence. But he goes,
1: A non-man rated booster and a crap that's never flown.
0: How many days does it usually take? How many days do we need? He's doing the chalkboard tally.
2: Yeah, he's doing it by the numbers. He's like, there's no way we can do this. He's not even halfway done. And people are already demoralized because it's so obvious that this is impossible. And
0: the Russians are brought up and they're like, no, they're too far away. And he just, yeah, he shoots it down. And he shoots it down very solidly. The astronaut, I think his his name is Dougherty, however you say that name.
1: And Dougherty here has all the qualifications. Is like,
0: well, let me do it anyway. You know, he's full of gusto. That real American can do. And he's like, no. That's where that's left. And we see uh, Gregory Pegg then is like flying down a Florida, straight as an arrow, white paved highway. He's probably heading to Cocoa Beach. In his cool 60s car going to get some drinks.
2: He's supposed to talk to the president. They're like, yeah, he's like, I'll, I'll talk to him at seven o'clock. He's got a scheduled time to talk to the president. So he
0: gets pulled over by the highway patrol. Yeah. And he's very insistent that he's got someplace to be. And he's on. Then do you know who I am?
1: License. Yeah, board. look, officer, I'm a government official. I'm in a hell of a big hurry. I can see that. Is security. Q clearance. Top secret. You've got a lot on your mind, all right?
2: Yeah, this, this, this whole scene makes no sense to me. I don't know why it's. It's in, fun. Is it? So disconnected from reality. It's kind of fun. <laughs> this movie makes such an effort
0: to be realistic. Sure. You don't think that Florida highway patrolman would be total dicks like that
1: in reality? Yeah. You have no brake lights. Your license is expired. You may be able to get to the moon, but Mr. Your Menace on the highway. Officer, I'm Charles Keith, the head of man's space. I know I- who you are. I,
2: I do believe that.
0: <laughs> we For know sure. who you are, sir. And we don't care.
2: Gregory Peck is white, so, you know, it probably wouldn't be that big of a dick to him. Yeah. He's not going to get murdered. So you got a call with the president and you know what time it's going to be at. Why would you be late? Why would you be racing down the road? Ah, oh, come on, man. You know, because shit happens. But he's got great looking sunglasses. Okay. So then, that you know, he's like, I'm Mr. Mister Director of Men in Space. Men in Space. Let me go. And they're like, no, no. And then the president calls on the cops. CB radio? On the CB.
1: Are you Charles Raymond Key? Yes.
2: That doesn't make any sense. I
0: love that. The president can break through. He's like, you got a
2: call. Oh, from who? The president. And then he's like, and then Gregory Peck's like, to the other to the other cops, like, see? <laughs> <laughs> I told you. Then, yeah. So then he has this conversation. He's sitting in the front seat of the, or not sitting, I guess he's leaning in. But yeah, talking to the president in the United States of America.
0: I was listening to the voice and I was trying to decide if it would have sounded like Johnson.
2: Yeah. I think it actually, to be honest, it did sound like a, like a slightly Texas Southern, slightly Johnsonized. Definitely a man. Yeah. Uh, But yeah, it could have been, could have been there trying to pull that. It was definitely like kind of a American voice. Yeah. It was an American accent, not a British, not a British. And
0: you know, <laughs> he says, I think you got to make this work for the public's sake basically. We can't let those men just die up there because that would be bad PR for your program.
2: Well, he's like, can we can we send a rescue mission? And uh, Gregory Peck's like, we thought about that, but we can't do it. And the president says, you know, are you sure because it doesn't look good if we don't try. Like maybe yeah. maybe we should try. Might look good if we tried. Look good for America and for you and for me. Yeah. Yeah, it totally totally undermines
0: the science.
2: Yeah, yes, and
0: but that's what this is all about, right?
2: Yeah, but I, I, it's bothered me because how much time have they just wasted? Gregory Peck said no, and then at least an hour's gone by. Right? What time has lapsed? We don't really know. No, but it's 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 more than it's some time. Yeah,
0: it's more than a half hour. Precious, precious time, and now we really get that the clock has started because they're gonna go for it, which means they gotta they gotta fly this special jet in. They gotta retrofit it and they gotta do all of the math and the computing and they gotta they gotta train the the astronaut who's gonna fly it to fly it right and he's gotta run simulations and
2: And you know what else you know what else they had to do? <laughs> What's that? They had to wear hard hats in the control room. Oh I didn't notice. <laughs> this is when they break out the hard hats. The next scene when they when they're in the control room and they're deciding that they're gonna do this rescue mission, they're passing out hard hats. Well, that means they're serious. Yeah, like, put put on your thinking caps, everybody.
0: We cut back to the capsule, and they're giving those guys the breakdown.
1: We're coming up to get you. We're launching a rescue mission from the cave. We're using a Titan 3C with an XRV lifting body, modified
0: the whole four men. Pilot is Ted Darcy. And Stony, the science officer, of course, he's crunching the numbers on how much oxygen they have, and it's barely enough. And so they need to go into sleep mode, basically. This is when it's time to take your pills. And we want everyone to just go to sleep for the next cycle. I don't know if it was eight hours or ten hours. They didn't really say, but Hackman doesn't take it.
2: Well, it's not clear. He's getting edgy. It's not clear, but even before that, the crew is talking about whether or not they can even believe that this rescue mission is possible. I was left with like the sliver of doubt. If they were just telling them that? From the crew's perspective, they were thinking they could just be putting us to sleep just to, you know, make it. I think that's easy. what Hackman was thinking for sure. Yeah, make it easy on us. We'll just go to sleep and die. And Right, he's getting paranoid. Yeah, and so they definitely show him like holding the pill. He kind of palms it. He kind of palms the pill. And not not taking it. All
1: right, take your pills. Go to sleep. Leave the drive and die.
0: They notice a hurricane forming on one of their passes.
1: Cyclonic circulation just beginning. Yeah, she's going to be a big beast.
0: And then we cut back to Earth and they get the weather report. So we're adding another layer. There's this big ass hurricane forming out off the coast.
2: Stoney says that's going to be like one of the biggest storms. And he says something along the lines of that it's beautiful, but he does say that it's going out to sea. We get ground control talking about it. And they are like, well,
0: it could change direction anytime. We know how these hurricanes work. And uh, sure enough, it does.
1: Turn. It sure has. How soon will it get here? What do you think? Looks like I picked the wrong week. It we
0: starts heading towards the coast. Around this time in, in the capsule, I wanted to mention this scene where they talk about this psychology professor they all had apparently
1: hey, Buzz you uh, remember that psychologist at Brooks
0: one with a blank sheet of paper at Sim University did you catch
2: this scene I don't remember this
0: it must be part of the astronaut training because they all had this instructor where he held holds up a, up a blank white sheet piece of paper, of paper said, oh right and says what do you see I remember for the science officer they're both like we see nothing we see a, a white piece of paper. of paper basically and Gene Hackman's character is like
1: I saw a field covered with snow and underneath it was new oats, and then the snow melted, and the field turned to green.
0: He goes on this slightly poetic, very imaginative, creative rant, and I think that's supposed to further show the difference in temperament.
2: I think they were just trying to make him seem crazy. I think in like the '60s, that just made him <laughs> crazy.
0: I kind of took it as there because what we've seen from him is kind of flyboy and gets agitated. Yeah, can lose his cool. Is kind of hot-headed. Right. And maybe this shows that he he's an emotional character. He has like a there's a deeper deeper well there that maybe he doesn't have a complete control over, which adds tension to uh, a situation where you need everybody to be spot on the ball. That's what I took from
1: that.
2: I think that's a window into your empathy. For yeah, it must be. That's me. You're g- giving people the benefit of the doubt.
1: Why don't you take that PhD and shove it?
2: I think he was supposed to be kind of raw. Uh-huh going crazy and you know in the 60s maybe being poetic like talking about snow snowfall was it too groovy it was groovy i don't know it's calm probably they probably thought it was communist or something yeah quite possibly your,
0: your snow-covered fields in siberia yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so time has gone on they're getting all the pieces of the puzzle together right they fly in the xrv Via helicopter. Yeah. They just drop it. They drop it on that flatbed. Yeah. And not even like well measured. I couldn't believe it. Because yeah. this is a space vehicle. Yeah. And they're like, oh, they're bringing it up to this flatbed tractor trailer. They're going to, I was like, I'm just thinking, how are they going to set it down? Are they going to put it on a big stuntman's cushion and then roll it onto something? Or, but yeah, they just kind of bang and it kind of like wobbles a little bit.
2: Yeah. I kind of missed the mark. It was a little
0: bit far back. I love this plane. Yeah. It's a beautiful plane, I think. I looked it up. Doesn't actually exist? Right. Or didn't. And there's some really cool looking ones from the era. Most that never got actually built or used, but it looks the part. It's perfect looking.
2: Yeah. The window is a little small.
0: Window's super small. When I was looking up images of this on Google, I, I found a still from Marooned and someone wrote beneath it, Still unidentified U.S. plane from the '60s. <laughs> <laughs> so somebody like, thinks this is real, like handwritten
2: on a photo. No,
0: no, like typed know. in. If you right. click on the photo, it went to some page. You yeah. know, I don't know. Oh my god! Uh, I love that someone's like, yeah. What is this plane?
2: Yeah, there's a scene where they tell Pruitt to look out the window, and he's he's resistant.
1: You might want to look out your window, Jim. What for? Somebody down there that wants to say
2: something to you. When he finally looks out and you see like coast of California and there's like a light flashing, but it's like the whole town of San Diego and they're, Mm -hmm. they're turning their (laughs) lights on and off (laughs) for him, Mm -hmm. which is cool. Like this is actually an interesting scene because he's there. I thought
0: they're going to send him a message in Morse code.
2: Yeah. But it's great because he, he's in a capsule with two other people and Mm -hmm. he's it's very emotional to see this Also, I would just be wondering how the hell this was happening. It's a real concerted effort. I guess the power company is just turning on and off people's (laughs) power. You
0: mean there's the one guy with a hard hat next to the the big switch? big knife switch, yeah. Yeah.
2: Either that or, I mean, otherwise people have to be listening to the radio. Somebody's like, on, off, on, off, on, off. I'm glad we didn't forget that scene. I'm going to try to work a guy with a big switch
0: into every episode that we do. I'm two for two so far. The astronauts are, they know that there's this supposed rescue mission coming. They're also cranky, and they're not delirious yet. They're kind of lying around and sleeping, and science guys crunching numbers. Well, they're sedated. Yeah, they're kind of in and out, and this is when they, have, they each get a phone call with their wives. And they play out varying degrees to their temperaments. You know, the captain is very together, but sad, and you know, the wives know, they're like, you. they say to each other, like, this is for us to say goodbye, basically. And the captain kind of realizes that and he says, you know, the things you would say.
1: I said, I love you. I just wanted you to know. Well, I got to go now.
0: Yeah. Don't forget to. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta pay the mortgage. Yeah, pay the mortgage. And they do Stoney, the science guy. He gets emotional and, and has to stuff it back down in very 60s masculine way. Like, I have to go now and shuts it off.
2: But Pruitt, he had like, I think the most important line from his conversation was he told his wife that they were going to get back.
0: He was confident, or at least saying the confident thing.
2: Yeah, I don't know if he was confident, but like they were, t- their talk was getting heavy and she was definitely treading into the like, this is goodbye territory. And he shut it down by saying, I want you to know, we're g- I'm going to get back. We're going to get back. Right. Not, we're not actually going to face this. Right. And which
0: is what you do. He's the only one that did that. Right. Stoney kind of shut it down quick because he got emotional. Look, I, I, I have to go now. I'll be seeing you. Stoney. I'll be seeing you. And then we get probably my favorite scene uh, of Gene Hackman. Marriott Hartley comes on, too. And she's like, I'm just going to read you basically a prepared statement.
1: Yeah. Listen, honey, I, I wrote something. Uh, we're all going to sign it. Do you want to hear it? What?
0: And she's going like, you know, we all here feel you're very brave.
1: Dear Mr. President, we just wanted to let you know how much we appreciate the heroic action to save our husbands.
0: And Hackman starts to crack apart, and it's so human. He's like holding his fingers to his temple, and he's like,
2: what right. What well, are she's you thinking, talking about? She's saying your sacrifice won't be forgotten. And Yeah, oh,
1: and, and, and he's like, don't you understand? Husband. It's all falling apart, and they're blaming me and I don't feel very
0: good. And he starts hopping up and down in his seat and just gene hackmaning the shit out of the scene.
1: why did you get us out of here? Get a hold of him quickly. Get get
0: and she's humiliated. She's humiliated and she yeah, she cuts the transmission short and
2: she cries and runs out of the room. I have to go now. Yeah, as she's running out of the room. She hears him like, continue to scream Like me. now at Gregory Peck or whoever. Like, he's lost it. He's just, yeah, it's great. It
0: is great. And I think they sedate him. That's right. They, they yeah. give him a shot. They're like, this guy's gobbling up oxygen. Right. Alex Buzz. Don't tell me what to do. They check back in and the storm hits. And they decide that they're going to go through with the launch regardless. So Gregory Peck knows what the rocket is rated for as far as wind speed goes. 40 miles per hour.
1: Well, we can launch and wind's up to 45 miles per hour.
0: Yeah, I think 40 to 45. Anything beyond that, they've got to scrub it.
2: When they put him in the capsule, did that seem really weird to you because the capsule was just in a room? In that white room? I just assumed that was, yeah, like in the... What, the rocket just shoots through that room? Maybe it pulls
0: away. I don't know. It's a good question.
2: How does it pull away? It's a room. I don't know. It was clearly like they built this capsule in a room. I thought that was... We are on top of the rocket, on top of the gantry. I've never seen in any footage when they're putting somebody in a rocket. Nor have I, my friend. I mean, I know that the space plane is being put inside like the fairing of a rocket, right? But that room is just a big white box. It's like not really a fairing, so it was it just seemed very awkward. It looked great though. That looked terrible. Oh really? I love those white, white, white
0: rooms with a white capsule in the middle and everyone's in white it says something very 60s space age to me all right like it's clean high tech is
2: what it's right. supposed to say i think and it works for me i get it you should go to a semiconductor facility oh yeah you'll be you'll be over the moon
0: oh god yeah be careful
2: so they put doherty
0: into the xrv space plane yeah with like a single pane glass cockpit windshield yeah it kind of clicks into place that's not going to hold up we start the launch tension up again, and so many of the rest of this movie is about this—you know, the the tension in the room, and everyone's smoking and watching the screens, and you know, reporting to each other and reporting back to each other.
2: Yeah, you got—you
0: know—fuel,
2: go, Baker, go, everybody, go, Pina Colada maker, go.
1: This is Launch Director for a final status communication check.
2: We
0: get right down to the wire, right? We get t minus fifty, maybe seconds, and and the the wind speed knots get up to fifty, and Gregory Peck is like abort and throws his headphones down.
2: He said they were going to go even if it got to fifty, and then he just couldn't take it. So originally, they tell us that the wind, like the rating, is for forty, and they keep showing us shots of the wind speed meter as we're mm-hmm. getting the countdown, and it's like thirty-eight. 40 it's peaking at like 42.
0: did it work for you as far as tension building goes it was okay it, it did for me I, I was finding myself pretty wrapped up in the
2: in the anxiety i guess when i first saw it i just immediately knew it was going to all be about this wind speed meter and i kind of wish that they had given us a different way to you know not just like show us this meter over and over going up but they didn't that's what they did so but, uh, so it hits like forty two forty three and Gregory Peck, there's lots of eye contact, like right between different people in the control room. They're all aware of this, and I thought that was that that worked. And at some point he sort of whispers over to another guy. He's like, well, 50. I actually thought I was like, oh, like you don't even <laughs> you don't even know that that's okay. why fifty, why not fifty five or why four?
1: you know, like, yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure, sir. I wrote it,
2: and then he calls it, yeah, like fifty minus fifty. Like, he just freaked him out too much, you know, so he scrubs it.
1: Oh hold, hold! Looks like I picked the wrong week to on amphetamines.
2: And, and then there's another short press
0: scene and where he kind of says men are always going to die as we push the boundaries and explore, which was interesting. He does say, as we search for other worlds and other civilizations, which I thought was a very 60s thing for him to say.
1: Because of men like these, we've taken the first step off this little planet trip to the moon was just to walk around the block. We're going to the stars, to other worlds, other civilizations. That
0: that thinking that you're going to bump into your neighbor out there right away. It's kind of cool.
2: Yeah, he says, it, he says it in a way where it's not even like as we search for it's like we're going to find them. Yeah, he says it in a very like it's like cut and dry like they're out there. We're, Matter of fact. Yeah, I like that a lot. W- when we find them.
0: So a little bit of time goes on. And I think there's some more shenanigans with the uh, really drained out capsule crew,
2: but they suddenly are re-energized. So at this point in the movie, I was really not sure where it was going to go. Oh, good. So you you had you're like, what the fuck is going to happen now? Well, yeah, I, I thought there's two options: either they die, or they get they get out of the ship and go fix it, and then come back. Right. And then also, also all along, I don't think we mentioned this in the beginning, but I have no idea if this is real. But several places on the internet that talk about this movie mention that it was inspiration for Gravity, the movie Gravity. I, don't, I have no idea if that's real or not, but, you know, it has the same, you know, rescue in space thing going on. So I'm trying to think like, is there something in gravity that's going to ha- happen in this movie? Um, so yeah, basically I've got the idea that like they die or they fix the problem themselves because they were going to do the rescue and that probably wasn't going to work anyway, according to them. And then they scrubbed it. So yeah, I actually liked this at this point in the movie. I was really enjoying it because I, I didn't know what was going to happen.
0: I agree. I, I I thought it was a really great uh, head fate. Yeah. And what a great place for a movie to take it. They they don't always do that.
2: This is that
0: moment then where Gregory Peck gets a phone call.
2: Yeah, they're like come on down to the weather bureau. And- look at the numbers. Look at the numbers. What
1: is the map? If you could look at the numbers. What about the numbers, Mr. Keith? The numbers. Yeah, that's right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and he's they've established that he's a numbers guy. Like he loves stats and numbers and figures, and he wanted everything printed out. Uh-huh. <laughs> On hard copy and numbers, numbers, numbers throughout the whole movie. So yeah. So he's like, I'll look at the numbers. Loves them. Here comes the eye of the hurricane is gonna pass directly over
0: them. Yeah. Where wind speed will drop to zero.
1: In this disturbance we have ninety knot winds. In the center of our eye we have zero. The eye of the hurricane will pass over the cape.
2: I did not see that coming. <laughs> and everyone freaks the fuck out. Yeah, it's great. I mean how awesome. It was great. <laughs> This is, uh, now I'm like excited shooting a goddamn rocket through the eye of a hurricane. That's absurd. Yeah. It's brilliant. Yeah. So much fun. Yeah.
0: Because they had to scrub the launch. A few more hours have passed. You know, the oxygen is still running out. And now they also know by the numbers that all three
2: men cannot survive. He finds that out from a scientist who's really reluctant to even make that call. It's too grim. It's too grisly. Well, he he says something along the lines of like he doesn't say at NASA we don't do that, but basically that's what he says. Like that's not how we do things at NASA. It's all or nothing. Yeah, but then finally he says, yeah, okay, you know, if one of them goes, then the other two might make it.
1: There's not enough oxygen left for three men to live that long. But what about two men?
0: He goes and plugs himself into the board and he talks to the captain and.
2: Yeah, but and it's not explicitly said like. I have some numbers for you. Very referential and. Because Gregory Peck can't say, like, we're suggesting that one of you
0: kills yourself. Yeah, he's just leading them on. Let's think
1: about that. Well, we're lying here like corpses now. Uh, What else can we do? You must think. He says, Are we talking about the same thing?
2: And I saw, like, oh shit, are they going to draw straws? Right, which they rule out for, I don't know why, they say... They say we can't do that. I think there.
0: I think there's a code or something among them as astronauts or some such. There that that just seemed too cruel or something.
2: Uh, yeah, I didn't get that. It seems like that's the fair way to do it. I, I would have been in favor of that. It's fair. It's cold, but that's that's fair. I agree.
1: Well, one I was gonna have to go. I mean, uh, that's what we're talking about. Isn't it?
2: I think Lloyd's wife was hoping that Lloyd would be the one to go. <laughs> I think it's like oh, I can't
0: I can't even see this dude anymore at all. Oh
2: after that yeah. breakdown.
0: God I hope he dies up there. So uncouth. Dead dude. to me. All
1: right, look, let's do it scientifically. Two big guys throw so the little guy out, okay?
0: <laughs> do us all a favor. And he does offer himself up for sacrifice. He says that he's the weakest link. He does, and I thought God, I thought if I was one of those other guys I would accept. How do you do that though, right? You can say, Yeah, you're right, man. Yeah. You should go. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah, you know what? You've kind of been a drag this
2: whole trip. You're using up way more oxygen than the rest of us. Yeah.
0: It's being on a road trip with somebody, and you realize that it's not totally driving with everybody. So you kind of you know what? We're going to, why don't you just get out here? We're just going to leave you in the middle of Kansas.
2: Are you usually the person that's left behind or the
0: person <laughs> that's leaving somebody behind? <laughs> mm, no, because you've been
2: on a lot of road trips. I have. I have indeed. Yeah. Never left a man
0: behind. Wait, is that? True, it's hard to say. I think I've I've escaped podded myself. No, yeah, at least once or twice. Yeah. I'm like, fuck this,
2: I'm out of here. Yeah, it seems like that's a, that's an easy call to make for yourself, mm-hmm. and so that's what
0: that's what happens.
2: So the captain,
0: he makes his decision in his head, and he he presents it by saying, "You know what? I'm gonna look at that goddamn engine, which I should have done in the first place,
2: twenty five hours ago."
1: I'm going up to fix the engine are you kidding you can't fix that right
2: he says like none of us none of us are going to decide that we have to take affirmative action we have to take this into our own hands we shouldn't have just been sitting here letting those nerds you know. right and and i'm sure it's true for
0: you know that very you know they got to be more alpha personalities to be in that position in the first place right so it's probably really hard for them to sit on their hands this whole time for people who want to be doing things Right, and that I think was is Gene Hackman's character's tension. But yeah, the captain's like, "I'm going to put my hard suit on. I'm going out. I'm going to eyeball that engine." The Stoney, the science guy, of course, he gets it right away.
2: Well, yeah, he goes out there, and the other two are sitting in in the cabin.
0: And Hackman's like, "I'm going to go out there with him." And Stoney tries to stop him and be like, "No, no, don't you see what he's doing? He's going to unhook his umbilicals, and that they all end up outside the spaceship." Yeah, so Stoney's like, "You know what he's
2: doing, right?" Yeah, fixing fixing the cable. He
0: unhooks his umbilicals, and then I couldn't tell what happened. His suit rips also. Right. I couldn't tell if he did it to himself or if it actually caught on the antenna. Yeah. Yeah. It was unclear. Like it was one I, of those big pockets on his cargo pants, like rips yeah. open.
2: Gas escaping rapidly. Mm-hmm. And he just goes, bye bye. <laughs> It seems like it would have been done intentionally, right? Because he sees them coming to rescue him. Kind of what I thought, and so he has to like rapidly, because they could they could get to him and hook up the umbilical again, possibly. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm I'm assuming that he did it on purpose. But the way it's presented is not. I think if you're going to um,
0: do suicide by space, you probably want to spend as little time conscious and floating as possible. So, tearing a hole in your suit would also like seal the deal for yourself.
2: You wouldn't want to just float for, like, 20 minutes? I guess you could get used to it. I mean, you're going to suffocate either way. Like, you still have to go through the, the same amount. Go into, a, like, an acceptance space with it? And also, I've heard that you die of carbon dioxide poisoning before you actually die of lack of oxygen. That would make medical sense. Doesn't carbon dioxide poisoning put, just put you to sleep? No, I, I imagine suffocating sucks no matter
0: yeah. what. It was an accident. They get back into the pod, and they are getting totally delirious. And this is a crazy scene to me when this, the Russian ship right. floats floats by. And <laughs> I mean, it looks so crazy to me. It looks like a uh, a diving bell. Yeah, just a deep sea. Yeah. Or like a mine. He says he sees a vision of death and he's like, there it is. And he's referring to the Russian craft. He's not understanding. What he's seeing as it's coming towards him.
1: I'm beginning to see visions of death. I thought
2: that was very cool. Yeah. And then ground control begins to start saying, there's a Russian coming. We don't know what they want. But the um but Stony's ignoring ground control. Like he's, yeah, not, he's kinda like blowing off the radio because he's so kooked out.
1: Iron Man, a Russian spacecraft is making rendezvous with you. Do you see a Russian spacecraft? Come in. Stony, do you see a Russian spacecraft? I, I see him. Good.
2: Yeah, he's just he's just talking to himself. And then finally, Gregory Peck is like, open the hatch. Mm-hmm. And Stoney's still not
0: responding. Gregory Peck explains that the Russian astronaut, or cosmonaut, I should say, has changed his trajectory to come and meet you guys. And he's going to help you. He's got oxygen. And you need to open the hatch. You need to open the hatch. And Stoney starts saying, oh, yeah, right, man. I need to blow the hatch. Like, no. Alright. Blow
1: hatch. Negative. Do not blow the hatch. Open it with the lever, the unlocking lever. Do you read me, Stony? And
0: open the hatch. Right on. I'll blow the hatch. No, 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 no! Don't blow the hatch. Which he does. Looks
1: like I picked the wrong week. Quit sniffing blue.
0: Now Lloyd does. They're having a miscommunication, like through the delirium. Right. Like he keeps saying no, don't blow it, open it, and they're saying yeah, blow it, yeah.
2: There's another reason why Lloyd should not have survived. He blew the hatch. He blew it, and this blows
0: the pod, of course, further away from the Russian pod,
2: which looks incredibly small. The Russian one? Yeah, it looks so much smaller than theirs. Yeah, yeah this is some American bias, I think, with like making the Russian spaceship just look like a piece of shit. <laughs> Jalopy. <laughs>
0: All the space shenanigans start, and it's down to the wire. They all get their helmets on miraculously because it didn't look like they were going to have their helmets on. To me, there was a lot of tension there, yeah. and they miraculously get their helmets on. And Stony basically just chucks Hackman at the Russian,
2: right? They both get out. The Russians like trying to to grab them, but they're too far away. Stony throws, <laughs> hurls, Hackman just pitches them and misses. And he drifts on by. Yep. And so
0: Hackman is cut loose now. He's just adrift in space. Yeah. And he's also nearly dead from hypoxia.
2: Oh, but he had gotten in Stoney's extra oxygen. Came a
0: boost from his pack.
2: That's the other thing. God, this Lloyd guy was really getting on my nerves, you know? <laughs> he's unprepared mentally to be an astronaut. And then Pruitt sacrifices himself so they could all have enough oxygen. In a way that wastes oxygen, right? Because he had to like open the hatch and go outside, and they're all moving around and flailing. Like that was a weird decision. Like just kill yourself in the capsule immediately. Yeah, I I really wondered about
0: that. Just by opening the hatch, I guess whatever oxygen is in the cockpit is just blown out into space. Yeah, man, there has to be like a reclamation system. There's no way they they don't deep. I mean, I guess maybe they. They
2: depressurize it. I don't know. I don't know. Suck it it back in. It's so precious. Right, yeah. So then Lloyd is drifting in space, and I was thinking, good riddance. But here comes the RVX. Say again? XVR.
1: The XRV. XRV. Yes, that's correct. XRV. Dowerty. Dowerty.
2: To the rescue. They get everybody hooked up. They grab everybody. The Russians got a giant flashlight. Huge Soviet flashlight. He's like... (laughs) Look! Look over here, and he shows the XRV pilot uh, Hackman floating in space. Yeah, so he's like, you know, I thought that was is. a great move. Yeah, and then the Russian goes into the U.S. capsule, and he's trying to give oxygen, I guess, to Stony. I find it hard to believe that their oxygen tubes are compatible. Uh, as he's as he's trying to give oxygen to Stony, then the uh, Dow- Dougherty like shows up in the in the capsule, and they're like. Cool. Cool, man. Thanks. And then, so then we get the scene of them coming back to earth and embracing their wives and the ticker tape parade. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, we must
0: have seen very different cuts. <laughs> yeah. This is, I have not seen a movie wrap this quickly.
2: Yeah, that <laughs> is great. I was, I was watching cause you know, I was kind of com- coming up against a deadline. Did you
0: blink and miss it?
2: No, I just, I, at some point, I had checked to see how much time was left when they're still in the middle of like the rescue. And it was <laughs> like one minute and thirty seconds. It said like five minutes. So I was like, "Well, this is <laughs> this is going to be really interesting." We do
0: get a uh, astronaut Doggerty, being like, "Okay, I've got him."
1: Cape, this is rescue. I'm in the Apollo. The Russian got some air stony, and I've transferred him to my oxygen. He's all right, he's breathing. I've
0: got Lloyd. Yeah. And everybody goes Run! <laughs> completely freaked the fuck out. Gregory Peck like throws his headphones across the room.
2: Yeah, in the commander room. The hat- hats in the air.
0: The hats in the air, and the air raid sirens are going off like it's a real cacophony for their party. Yeah. But it's a big party, and
2: we're like, all right, big party. And then it just goes and yeah, the end. We just we see we see a shot of the spaceship heading back towards Earth with the end. Which is a fine way to end it, but it just it was so fast. Nobody does that in a movie. There's no time to process it. I wish more movies worked that way, to be honest. <laughs> just like boom, we're out. It's like I it's like okay, the movie's concluded. Now I know I'm I'm going to sit through an obligation of like 15 to 20 more minutes of oh, people talking about their feelings the and briefing yeah, getting that like wrap up of the B story and the C story. This like <laughs> Sure. And I think too, with a
0: movie paced like this, maybe it's a little bit of well, we've we've put you through enough. You've been very <laughs> patient with us. Thank you very much. We're just gonna cut you loose. Yeah. We did it. It's done. Get out of here. Go home.
2: This movie should have had like the five minutes of black screen at the very beginning. <laughs> not 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 the Disney movie black hole. At the beginning or at the end, just to psych you out? Well, both. Yeah, probably needed it both. I mean, this movie is so slow and plotting. The pace is so slow that that ending, it seems even that much more jarring. We just like trip over the finish line. Yeah, they could have just done even like two minutes of just that shot of the spaceship like not really making any progress but just you know riding off into the sunset
0: Mm -hmm. let me ask you this then considering rating this movie would you have gone for the rescue mission or would you have let them die in space
2: I would have let them get out of the ship and try to fix it
0: yeah me too can you can you give me some more this is your rating (laughs)
2: <laughs> what do you mean by that tell me more there's some good parts to the movie and some parts that needed they should have gotten out and fixed i i really enjoy a long slow movie that's just kind of atmosphere and even just one story um i think i liked it but it, I, it was I, di- I didn't watch it all on one sitting I really didn't like, I am mean, gonna. I guess I'm going to focus on what I didn't like and it's going to sound like I didn't like the movie, but I think I did like the movie. But the fact that Gregory Peck was like, we can't do this because of A, B, we can't do the rescue mission because of A, B, and C. And then it turned out that he was wrong on all, like, all three counts. The Russians were close enough. Uh, they did have enough time to do it. I, I kind of took that as, you know, these are the facts and then
0: there is this, post-World War II America can-do attitude or ethic that's being thrown in. That's kind of how I read it. And of course, it's going for the long shot is what what makes it a a great story. Live or die, we have to try. Uh, So that's where I just allowed that to be.
2: Yeah, it just didn't feel like that long of a shot. I guess I I wish they had sold it differently or done a better job of making it more difficult. Like It was just a matter of them like moving the plane over to the rocket and then launching the rocket. They didn't do a great job of showing us all of the things. They told us about all of the
0: things that needed to happen. They didn't do a great job of showing us how difficult and how many people had to work for 30 hours straight to make it happen.
2: I think they should have invented more exciting challenges. I think I think my problem isn't really with the idea that they shouldn't have done they shouldn't have done it and then they did it. They didn't convince me that they shouldn't have done it in a way that made me feel like they pulled it off and it was miraculous. It feels like they pulled it off and it just shows that Gregory Peck was really wrong. <laughs> I enjoyed
0: it even though it was lengthy. And slow, like you stated, I also can enjoy a, a slow pace kind of plotting. So I, And this kind of came up with with the black hole too, but in a different way. I really appreciated. I really felt the tension that was created, and also, though a lot of it is in in my mind, I don't know if they did a great job illustrating it. But I was able to meet them there. I find that predicament terrifying. Being in a small, small canister in that infinite vacuum situation i've always found completely horrifying to me which is why i never want to go to space so i i felt it i thought the premise was good enough and as we talked about the beginning of the show a film made about basically the technology that they're using at the time that it's made and kind of jazzing it up a little bit
2: a little yeah they're
0: using period appropriate equipment to film it and everything is just like circuits and lights and big ass computing machines and tape it gives you a real sense of, oof, you're just, you're fucked if something goes wrong out there.
2: I can't believe that we ever get anybody into space and back. It's astonishing. Anytime I build anything, it always breaks. <laughs> <laughs> so you're putting any applications in at NASA now that you're, uh, got <laughs> your doctor? No. No. You know, I worked on the OSIRIS-REx mission, and I worked on the software that uh, is a stereophotoclinometry software, and it helped the spacecraft determine its trajectory into its orbit, and in particular, the shape model of the asteroid. So because asteroids aren't spherical, the gravitational field is... Is it wobbly? Well, it's just so a gravitational field of a of a sphere is very easy mathematically to understand. And if you're gonna be in orbit around something that's not a sphere, you really need to understand its shape. Otherwise you'll likely crash into it or get thrown out of orbit. So this the software sort of established the shape so that they could then, you know, go into the correct orbit entry maneuver. And I had I used to have nightmares and then I, I worked on it, I worked on it like three or four years before it actually did this maneuver and nobody ever really talked to me about the software <laughs> much after after the fact and so i just i was just holding my breath i mean i was i, was, I wasn't part of the program anymore but i was just watching the news and holding my breath <laughs> it worked <laughs> holy shit <laughs> Yeah, i knew if it didn't work somebody was probably going to come ask me questions and i'd have to say this is the wrong time Oh, Nathan, did you get that thing done? Yeah, yeah, I got. It. Okay, cool, cool. All right, cool. Thanks. I'm sure it got double checked. I mean, that's how NASA works. But nobody really talked to me about it, so I was very. Well, see, afraid. there you go. There's something you built that didn't break. No, I th- I assume somebody went in and fixed it. <laughs> fixed like, your errors. Yeah. Oh
0: man, that is so cool, though. I'm excited to be in this this escape pod with you. I feel like I've got a capable <laughs> just don't let me fix engineer anything. on my hands. Yeah. Yeah, I'll keep the keys to the duct tape hold, and you just you just. Uh, tap away at that computer you do the calculations well all right marooned 1969 yeah i'm glad i watched it i am glad i watched it as well don't know that i would watch it again i I bet you i'd watch it with somebody would you recommend
2: you would you would ask somebody to watch it with you no
0: if someone else wanted to watch it i would
2: with them yeah i i'd I'd do that but i would never recommend this to anybody
0: they would have to be very particular Somebody. Yeah. But I did enjoy the performances. I always enjoy Gregory Peck and I always enjoy Jean Hannah yeah.
2: and Marietta Hart. Yes, yeah, she's great. It could have been a lot more of her. I'd like to see a movie where she's stuck in space. That would be great. And then she finds her way back to Earth and I get to see her maybe crawling out of the water in her underwear. Hmm. There might be a movie like that out there.
0: As you mentioned earlier, that you read a lot about this movie being a potential inspiration for gravity and you mentioned that before we uh before we watched it it's so there it's
2: all there yeah it's got the russian ship and everything i think that makes sense
0: for that to be our next movie
2: yeah i think so too all
0: right well then for ryan and nathan in the escape pod thank you for listening join us next time when we review gravity Hello, and thanks for tuning in. You can follow us on Facebook and Instagram. Please uh, drop us a message. And we'd like to thank Golden Boots for our theme song. And you, the listener, please hit subscribe. Leave us a five-star review. And we'll see you next time.